You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Lanker, and I'm here to help you connect the dots. As a pastor and professor for the last 30 years, I want to help you not only understand the Christian faith, but to make it a transformative part of your everyday experience. Join me as we connect the dots. So now we've come to the place where we need to define the term disciple. We've been asking this question for the past couple episodes. In fact, we've been asking it from the beginning. Can someone be saved, have eternal life in heaven, enter the kingdom of God, and not be a disciple? As we defined each one of those elements of salvation, eternal life in heaven, and lastly, kingdom of God, we now need to define discipleship. And so we need to look at the broader historical understanding of discipleship if we're really going to understand what discipleship is all about. When we go back in the historical records, what we find is that discipleship is talked about by the Greeks up to about 400 B.C., We find it in the first writings of Herodotus um, with a guy named Anacharsis. We'll actually come back to that last in this uh, process of looking at what discipleship was from a historical perspective. But as we see it talked about from about 400 BC to about the time of Christ, we see three broad themes that are talked and used when this term mathetes, which is where we get the word disciple from, is used in Greek literature. The first and primary one that's the oldest is primarily as a learner or an apprentice. What would happen is that someone would be called a mathetes if they went to a great uh, horseman and learned how to ride horses like this master did. Once they, though, were finished with learning how to ride that horse the way the master rode that horse, then they were finished being their methetes. They were a learner for a skill that they needed to gain in order to become a better person or to do their job better. Around the time of the Greek philosophers, around 200-100 B.C., What we see is this term mathetes, disciple, being used primarily as an institutional pupil or academician. In fact, when we see Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle describe their relationship with each other, Plato is described as the mathetes of Socrates, Aristotle, the mathetes of Plato. They're the student, they're the learner, and this learner is learning a worldview from their master that helps them to understand love and relationships and work and the city and life. It's comprehensive. And so this disciple would learn how to see the world the way that their master saw that world, and they would improve upon it and then pass that on to others who would come after them. The last, but it's actually the first usage that we find in the writer Herodotus, is about this guy named Anacharsis. What happens is that he's part of this tribe that's from the Black Sea region. They're defeated in war. Anacharsis is taken and becomes a slave, in essence, to pay back the Grecian Empire for even thinking about rebelling against them. 
But as he works under this ruler, this boss that he has, eventually he gains the boss's favor and the boss lets him go and he says, hey, go back to your own people. When he goes back, he is welcome home with open arms. They never thought they'd see him again. And one day his brother goes to go find him and he can't find him at home. So he wanders through the woods and he finds that Anacharsis has created a little area to worship the god Zeus. When he sees it, he's irate. He murders his brother. It becomes known by the city. And so they bring him to court and they're going to kill Anacharsis' brother for murdering him. And when his brother finally gets the chance to be able to stand up and defend himself, he says, when has any of our people been ever brought to trial for killing these pagan Greeks? We hate them with the deepest of all hatred. And here was not my brother, but here was a Mathetes of the ways of Hellas, the ways of Greece. He has become just like them. He's a fanatic. He's an adherent of their ways. He is as Greek as they are at this point. And we hate the Greeks, and I rightfully... That third meaning was the primary meaning that Mathetes meant during Jesus' day and age. So when Jesus showed up and offered people discipleship, they had a framework that they were working from. What they understood Jesus to be offering them was an opportunity to learn skills that would help them to live life to its fullest. He was going to provide them with a worldview that helped to explain absolutely everything from love to children to living in the city. And finally, they were going to become so connected to him, they were going to become like him They were going to become his fans, his adherents that stuck with him and wanted to be just like him in everything that he did. We know that because that's what the rabbis of Jesus's day were already offering on a regular everyday basis. See, the Jews had a schooling system that went from birth all the way up through death. But the primary emphasis of this schooling system was during childhood. From zero to about six, you have these kids primarily being taught at home. From six to ten, you have the boys and the girls going ahead, going to school together. At ten, the girls would go home, not because they couldn't learn the way that boys could learn, but because in that society, you got married when you were a girl, as soon as you hit puberty. Why? Because people had a life expectancy of about 45 years of age. And if you didn't start having children as soon as you hit puberty, your whole society was going to collapse. And so these girls would go home, get ready. The boys, like we know in just our everyday world today, they matured more slowly than the girls did. So they continued on in their schooling from 10 to 15. At 15, every single Jewish boy would go try out for a rabbi. To become a rabbi was the highest potential you could ever reach. If you were going to do something great, you were going to be a rabbi. But the way to get there was to become their disciple from the age of 15 to about 18. And during those three years, that first year, all you could do was listen. 
In the second year, you could only answer questions that were directly given to you. And finally, in your third year, you could begin to ask deep questions and begin to kind of work with and spar with the master in order to really understand what they were trying to teach you in that process. These Jewish boys would try out. They wanted this, but 99.9% of them never got chosen. So they would go back home and they would take up the family business and they would be bakers for the rest of their 30 years until they died at about 45. They'd be fishermen. They'd do whatever their family had done. They were also told that now that you are home and you're going to work in the family business, you can go ahead, add on to the house that is the family dwelling place, add an addition as soon as your addition is done and it's approved and it isn't going to fall in and kill you and your new wife, you can go get her. And this is why a lot of the parables talk about these boys going in the middle of the night to go find their bride. If you tell a 15-year-old boy, hey, as soon as you finish building an addition onto this house, you can have sex. As soon as he gets the approval that his little house is good enough to live in and have a family in, he's going to go get his betrothed. And that's exactly what would happen inside the Jewish world. So when we see Jesus's disciples being called from the seaside, being called from temple tables, what is actually happening is this is telling us that these guys are the losers. They're the ones who already tried out. They're the ones who didn't make it. They're the ones that are going ahead, getting into the family business, and they're ready to have their brides. They're not there in that process because as we look through the scriptural record, the one who's kind of the leader of the group of guys is Peter. He's the only one who has a mother-in-law. And so all the rest of them, by assumption, aren't there to where they're married yet. Well, if you can go ahead and get married, once you have that addition, you're probably about 16 or 17 years of age, which is completely foreign to most of our perceptions of who the disciples are. We think of them as 30-year-old, 40-year-old men with big old bushy beards. No, they're following the same rabbinic system of discipleship that their people have been living in for hundreds of years at this point. And if we want some support for that, you can go ahead and go back to Matthew chapter 17 when the Jews, the religious leaders, come to Peter and say, hey, doesn't you and your master pay the temple tax? Well, the temple tax was this voluntary tax that was for men 20 years old and older. When Jesus says, hey, let's not offend them, that we've gone long enough in this journey, we're, we're three years into this, it's almost to the end, let me just go to Jerusalem and die. He goes ahead and he tells Peter, go throw your line in the sea, pull out this fish, it's going to have the money to be able to pay the temple tax for who? For me and for you, Peter, which tells us what? The only men 20 years old or older in Jesus's entourage are Peter and himself, which fits exactly with what we know about the Jewish rabbinic system, which means if we're three years into this, that his followers, when he calls Matthew, when he calls James, when he calls John, 
these guys are probably 15 to 16 years of age. They're the ones who have tried out. They weren't chosen. And now this man is going to offer them discipleship. He is going to call them to follow him. And in following him, he is going to teach them every skill they need to live life in the kingdom of God. Because that was the primary emphasis for the Jews at this time. They wanted, they longed for, they prayed the coming kingdom of the Messiah. And Jesus, as you look at his teaching, he talks about that topic more than any other topic. That's why these guys followed him. They wanted to be leaders in this kingdom. As they push back and forth with Jesus, you'll see him constantly talking about their potential rule and reign and their positions of authority that they're going to have. And they're letting us know this is why they're part of this whole discipleship journey. They want to know what it looks like to live in the kingdom well. And to do that, they are going to need to have a worldview that really makes sense of what God wants, not just what they want, not even what their religious leaders may say is needed. That's why they're following this great rabbi, Jesus. And as they do so, they will hopefully be covered in the dust of their master. They would follow so closely that who Jesus is would become who they are. They would talk the same way, they would walk the same way, they would interact with people the same way, they would love the same way. All that to get to this. When we talk about discipleship and we make it just about a Tuesday night Bible study or a training program to be in leadership, oftentimes we truncate, we shorten, we minimize what Jesus was really offering. Jesus was offering a discipleship to his original disciples, and they offered it down the line, and this is what we're offering today. Follow people who will help you follow Jesus. And as they do, this is what their job is. They're going to teach you how to see the world completely differently from God's perspective, not the world's perspective. They're going to grow you in the skills to be able to live fully into that life. And as you do, you will become with each passing day more and more a fanatic of who Jesus is. And you will want to live that life and be absolutely consumed by him. If that isn't what we're doing in our discipleship, then we're not doing Christian discipleship. There's a whole lot more to Christian discipleship that we need to unpack, though, if we're really going to live fully into that. And that's where we'll turn next. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast. And if you'd like more information, please visit us at drjasonlanker.com. That's D-R-Jason-L-A-N-K-E-R. May you go in the grace of God, and may you not just understand the Christian faith, but live it more fully this week.